that so that as a church family we might grow into him who is our head and the source of all our life we pray in his name jesus amen all right so if you want to make a person feel guilty a christian feel guilty this is the way to do it you you talk about prayer you ask them about their prayer life Uh, we all know that prayer is important we feel the value of it we we know instinctively yes i should be praying but we also struggle and in in different ways at different times prayer is just an easy area of guilt i can think about my own journey in uh, as a christian i became a christian and i was keen to pray i'd grown up in the church and so i would just pray i prayed the way i'd seen others do it but but actually i quickly realized in sitting with more mature christians that my prayers were pretty random I, i didn't really think about what i was doing and so I started to discipline my thinking. I actually started to write out my prayers during my quiet time just to learn to think about what am I praying about, how can I be more ordered in my thinking. But then I started to realise, you know what, there are, there are long-term prayer things I should be praying for and I forget um, people that I promised I would pray and I haven't. I started keeping lists, uh, trying to be deliberate about all my friends and pray for them to come, come to know Jesus. And so I started list and list and after 10 years there was a lot of lists <laughs> and I, I actually reached a point where I realized I was I was actually being burdened by these lists I, I wasn't really feeling like prayer was a natural thing anymore and so I decided to let go of a few of those and I, I started to be more natural in my prayer time and and seek that sort of intuitiveness and then we had kids and so the whole thing went out of the window and it was just chaos and I was struggling to get any sort of prayer life going it's the nature of prayer isn't it we know the value of it we're constantly striving and struggling we feel like there's something more we could do but still it's worthwhile stopping and wrestling with prayer because it is a struggle and that's the sad thing it it really shouldn't be it shouldn't be a struggle we've got some weird technology stuff going on at the moment so please ignore it um it shouldn't be a struggle because it in the end it is talking to god and it should be something really natural for us so um today we're going to think about prayer we're going to reflect on how it should make us feel if we understand prayer right and then we're going to look at how we should live how we should pray and i'll try and get some practical thoughts in there so how should we think about prayer here is a really simple definition Uh, prayer is faith articulated faith articulated now i've got to define the terms there because we we sometimes have the wrong thinking about what faith is faith is simply trusting so I recognize that God is greater than I am and so I know there are things I am unable to do and I put my trust in him to do them instead. That's faith. Prayer is when I put that trust into words. I speak to God about the things that I trust him for. Uh, I ask him to act. Um, now, in that sense, prayer is just really simple Uh, prayer is something my three-year-old can do and does do Uh, the focus isn't the words we use it's not about the time of day or the place there is not a complexity around how we pray prayer is simply trusting god and speaking to him in trust but it's also worth realizing that prayer is miraculous Uh, it's not a given that we can come to god and speak to him about our concerns it is actually something that god has done and made possible um first of all think about the fact that 
as Christians, we call God Father. Many religions pray, but very few of them would make that sort of claim in relationship to God. That is something very uniquely Christians. Christians, we don't uh, meditate in order to connect with the spirit that permeates the universe. Uh, We don't approach a far-off, unknowable being. We speak to God as his children. Look again at Luke 11 in your Bible. The first word Jesus teaches his disciples to pray is Father. I'll read from verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. What does a father do? Well, he cares for his children. And that's what you get down in verse 11. He provides for their needs. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Christian prayer is speaking to God as our Father. But we can only do that because of Jesus. So uh, Christians pray to the Father through the Son. Um, Did you notice in our reading from 1 Kings, it was was a a while ago now, but in that reading we had all sorts of situations that Solomon listed in which people could pray. They could pray when they were in trouble, they could pray when uh, the crops were good, they could pray when they were exiles in another land, they could pray if they were a foreigner visiting the land, but they had to pray, they were encouraged to pray to the temple in order to speak to God. Now it's Solomon started off saying, look, it's not God that you're contained in this temple. It's not like this temple contains you. The temple represented the relationship people had with God. And the thing you learn in the temple is it's not simple to have a relationship with God. Because there's the most holy place where God is, and and a high priest only goes in there once a year. And then you have another space where priests do go in to offer sacrifices and stuff but it's not open access and then outside of that is the place where only the Jews can go and it's actually quite hard to approach God because of sin because of sin you can't go in that's one of my kids bibles at the moment it has a little theme because of your sin you can't go in and so it's only because of Jesus and his death that we can approach God. It's only because he has taken our sin that we can now come and bring requests to God with confidence that he will hear. Um, I've got my first Bible reading. It's John 16, verse 23. We've got that on the screen. Um, It's this amazing moment. People talk about the brotherhood of mankind as though we're all equally brothers, but when it comes to being children of God, that's not true. God doesn't hear everyone's prayer equally. You do need to be adopted through Jesus. But when that happens, just listen to the, to the level of approach we have. In that day, Jesus says, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So once we are children of God through Jesus, we don't have to pray asking Jesus to ask the Father, we bring our requests direct to God in Jesus' name. Um, Just as a side note, this is why you don't need to pray to to saints or to Mary or or some other person 
because as if your prayers weren't good enough in Jesus you are a child of God and you can bring your concerns to him Christians pray to the father through the son just don't take it for granted that you can call God father it is a wonderful wonderful privilege pray through the, to the Father, through the Son, and as I was talking about in the uh, kids' talk, we pray by the Holy Spirit. So when you find prayer a struggle, it's great to know that God expected that, <laughs> and He gave us His Spirit to help us. Uh, the Spirit is the one who allows us to call God Father. Uh, Romans 8, verse 15. I think we've got... Yep. Um, oh, no, next, next reading. Uh, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit equips us to approach God in this father-son relation, father-daughter relationship. And Roman even says, in verse 26, Romans 8, verse 26, if we don't know what to say, the spirit does. So in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You struggle to pray, God expected that. God knew that our hearts needed to change. We needed to learn a new attitude and approach to God. We needed to discover what son and daughtership is really about. And so God gave us his Spirit. Prayer is simple only because of the miraculous work of God, because God has made it so wonderfully simple for us. Uh, when you're young, you're just not ashamed to ask Dad anything. Uh, to have that sort of relationship is wonderful. I, I've been in a crowded relationship and had a conversation all about a pooey nappy. Uh, you, you can talk about anything because it's dad and he is able to deal with it uh, it's a dark hallway it's terrifying you go and ask dad um you need a glass of milk you ask dad because you trust dad you, you know he will meet every need he wants to he's able to prayer is faith articulated we trust a triune god who brings us into relationship with our heavenly father it's a wonderful privilege and I do want to emphasize this is a uniquely Christian thing. This is not a given in other, relation, other religions. So on the Gold Coast, um, the church I was at was right next door to a mosque. And so we had Muslim neighbors. We had um, kids at the school were Muslims. We, they were great neighbors, great people in our community, really valuable members of our community. But they prayed differently to us. I remember one day I was sitting on the train reading over the shoulder of the guy in front of me and he was reading an article all about the, the, the prayer to recite and it was written in the Quran. This was the prayer that you should recite when you were on the toilet. And, and in Islam, that is prayer. A lot of prayer is the recitation. Five times a day you go to pray and you recite your prayers. And I've even had a Muslim explain to me that prayer really isn't about trying to influence God and his decisions. Prayer is merely something that works on you and changes you that's not the same relationship it's really important to be convinced of the claims of christianity that we have this unique relationship through jesus to the true and living god because it is so wonderfully different there's even a book by a muslim who became a christian and she titled the book i dared to call him father 
Christian prayer is unique. So we think of prayer as speaking our trust, as articulating faith. How does that feel? Well, hopefully, on one hand, prayer should just be natural. Um, We're not praying to impress others. We're simply speaking to God. So Matthew 6 is great in this. Um, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Don't use special words. Don't use long prayers. Just tell God what you need. Uh, We'll read on. Uh, Verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Uh, People sometimes say to me that they're not confident praying in a group because they feel their prayers are so simple. And when people say that to me, I think, oh, give me more simple prayers. You know, that is what God looks for it's a simple request we bring to god we don't need to be self-conscious in prayer we're not trying to impress others we're not even trying to impress god it's not like he's going to be more likely to answer prayer if we use bigger words or something like that so prayer is natural but on the other hand i've also felt it during this preparing this sermon i want to feel challenged i think we need to feel challenged because i think our struggle for prayer is real. Uh, we, we too easily forget the wonderful privilege we have. Uh, if prayer is simply faith articulated, why do I struggle? Is it really a question of technique? Is it that I've got to learn the right wording? I don't think so. Um, is it about using lists or not using lists? Is it, is it about the time or the day or the place? Or is it sometimes just that I don't believe God's in charge of everything in my life? And I I forget to trust him with it. I I forget to bring those concerns to him. I get busy during the day and I just caught up and I I don't think to pray. I don't see the need. I just think of my life in the wrong shape. Sometimes it's that I don't trust him as God. It's it's that I think this issue is beyond his reach. But more often I think it's because I don't trust him as father as though he would care. But he does. It's not a single part of my life that's beyond his concern. So prayer should feel natural, but I think we want to feel the challenge. And so let me move on to to how do we do it? How do we live a prayerful life? I have no easy answers here, and I am striving for it myself. But let me answer some of those big questions that we often raise. So first of all, are shopping list prayers wrong? Is it wrong to come to God with a long list of concerns and needs? On one hand, um, look, yes, Maybe we're being selfish. There is a place where we just get so self-consumed in our prayers that it's wrong. And so James 4 verse 3 is a really good reminder at that. Uh, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So shopping list prayers might be a symptom of that sort of selfishness. But on the other hand, it's okay to be asking God for lots and lots of things. Like, There is nothing in my life beyond God's concern. There is no aspect of my life that I can't bring to Him. If there's a bunch of things I'm concerned about, it is entirely appropriate to come with a long list of prayer concerns and to lay them at my Father's feet. So I don't want to diss shopping prayers, shopping list prayers. 
think is right, if that's what's on your heart. Another question we sometimes wrestle with, do, do I just pray for little things or do I pray for big things? What sort of, what should fill my prayer life? So um, that I, I encountered this early on as a Christian. Um, I had to learn selfless prayer. I had to get the focus off me. And so I looked at Paul's prayers, you know, in, in the start of his letters, and I noticed how much of what he was praying for was shaped by the gospel. He was concerned about the gospel at work in people's lives. He prayed for, for change across the world as the gospel went forward. And I realized I needed to make my prayers a little bit bigger and think a bit, bit wider in my prayer life. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, it starts, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. It is right to be praying about the big things. The big event in this world is that God's kingdom has come, that the king has arrived, and, and that we're only waiting for, for him to bring everything under his feet, for God to bring everything under Jesus' feet. That's the big agenda at this moment. And so, yes, pray big. But that doesn't make the little stuff less important. That's been what God's teaching me lately is every time I'm heading towards a meeting, it's very helpful to stop and pray and remember I'm a child of God or entering into this conversation. Every task that I have, I do as a child of God. And so if prayer will help me to remember that, go for it. Uh, the, the little stuff of my life, the daily bread, that's Jesus also says to pray for the daily bread, it's good to remember that God is in charge of it all. So, yep, pray for the defeat of secularism in our universities and, and pray for Aunt Nelba and his operation tomorrow. They're both good prayers to pray. Uh, the, the last wrestle is should we expect answered prayer? And this is tough, isn't it? Because the Bible uses very strong language in places. Uh, have a look again at Luke chapter 11. Uh, verse 8, you're encouraged to be bold. Uh, that even if th that this person wasn't going to answer because of friendship, they would, they would be answered just because you boldly came up and asked for this thing in an awkward time. Uh, God wants us to be awkward in our prayers and ask boldly for things that are unexpected. Uh, verse 9, um, ask and it will be given to you, says Jesus. Verse 10, everyone who asks receives. Whoever seeks will find. Elsewhere in the Bible, you have these statements that if you ask anything in Jesus' name, it will be answered, be given to you. So is that pushing to us a, a, a name it and claim it theology? Is it, I have some Pentecostal brothers who, who will ask me to believe with them for very specific prayer points. I think it's in most of these passages, it's worth looking at where they land. I think the emphasis, more often than not, is not so much on just bring any anything that comes to mind to God but there's no prayer too big there's no there's no request in terms of God's purposes in this world that is too large to make of God so in this passage um, where does it end up uh, in Luke 11 have a look at verse 13 what should we boldly ask for because God the God is the father who will give good things to his children it's the Holy Spirit which at this moment, you know, Jesus hasn't sent out the Holy Spirit. This is the big thing that God's people have been waiting for. They might have been wondering if it's ever going to come. They might have thought, well, do we, do we really, should we be asking for this thing? Maybe God's given up on us. And Jesus says, no, boldly ask for the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. Because God will answer that prayer. 
how inconceivable it might be. Um, it's the same in Mark 11. You know, Jesus says, as faith as small as a mustard seed can cast a mountain into the seed. I think Jesus is pointing there to, to an Old Testament promise of judgment and salvation for his people. So it's, it's not, the emphasis is simply that you can pray. It might seem inconceivable that God is going to take this world and bring it under Jesus' reign, but you can pray for it. Ask in Jesus' name. I think even that, that concept of in Jesus' name, I don't think it's a magical world, word. Sorry, Acts 19, you have the, the sons of Sceva try to use Jesus' name to drive out demons, but they don't actually know Jesus. And so the demons just turn on them and rip up their clothes and they're sent off, you know. So it's not that Jesus' name is a magic word that you tack on at the end of a prayer. We make the requests in Jesus' name because we're asking in accordance with his authority, his purposes. We're, we're bringing concerns and we're asking God directly as they're shaped by have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, one book I was reading to prepare this sermon, I think, said it really well. If we make use of prayer not to wrest from God advantages for ourselves or for dear ones or to escape from tribulations and difficulties but to call down upon ourselves and others those things which will glorify the name of God, then we shall see the strongest and boldest promises of the Bible about prayer fulfilled, also in our weak little prayer life. And then we will see such answers to prayer as we had never thought were possible. God does answer prayer, and we can pray for big things for God to be at work. And we do it because he's invited us into this relationship. And I think that actually fits with my experience with children, right? So we learn to ask dad for anything. I get the, the boldest, strangest requests from my kids. They're, they're game enough to ask me anything. They don't always get a yes answer. <laughs> but over time, we learn that asking for dinner is different to asking for McDonald's. Um, that we'll get a different answer if we ask for more family time than if we ask for more computer time. There, there is a difference in the requests and where they fit with the purposes of God in our lives. There is a huge yes. Let me answer that prayer. And so I want to end by encouraging you to pray and pray for what matters. So um, we live in an area of Redlands that's growing and this church has been started because we know of the many who are moving in this area who don't know Jesus. Pray. Pray that we might grow a church where Christ is known. Uh, pray for the people who are moving in here. Let's pray adventurously for ways in which to build relationships that can share the gospel with people. Pray for Australian society. Uh, it is changing, and in one sense... You might think that secularism is taking over, but in another sense, I think secularism is going through a crisis. People don't really know what to believe or what, where they're going, and there's more and more conflict because of it. Uh, in history, that has been the time when Jesus' voice has spoken boldly, and it's been amazing to see what God has done. Pray. Pray big things. Most of all, pray for God's kingdom. Pray for missionaries. Uh, pray for churches, not just ours, all the churches who are proclaiming Christ. Through your life, pray that Jesus would be known. Because prayer changes things. In some ways, the things that it changes most is us. Because as we articulate our faith, we realize what really matters. 
we learn more and more what we should be asking for. But it is God who acts in response to our prayers. And that relationship is real. It is the same as a heavenly father and his love for his children. How about we pray now? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you hear prayer and you answer. Thank you for encouraging us. And I pray, Lord God, that, that in that wrestle with our prayer life, you would keep it going in a really healthy way, that we would constantly long for more time with you, and that through that prayer we would learn more and more to see our world and ourselves aright. We pray this for Jesus' praise and glory and in his name. Amen. Um, I thought I'd just run through announcements first.